This week is brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with the military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. Be sure to enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast. And in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become part of their unarmed forces. Brought to you by Daisy May Hatco, the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. Sarah Wilkinson, we're friends now. Yes. We're, we're going to be nail go. friends soon, too. I know. With my nails, they're cut down. Crystal gel. You know, there's something I'll say to you after the podcast that I can't say on here about those nails, and we'll have a conversation about them. <laughs> No. Okay, you, fine. You see how long the ones are that I'm going to send you? Yes. Well, my nails grow. These are my real nails and they okay, grow so like, super fast. So I cut them down all the time because, because I don't know how well I'm going to do with nails like that. I'm going to just gonna like. You're going to do great. Yeah. It's going to be like. You can't hold a barbell with nails like that. Fuck you. You can't. What do you think <laughs> of these guns? Like, come on. Of course you can. Come on. Okay. I just, okay. I just like pretend flexed for you. Um, but no, seriously, though, just that that's a flex now at this point in life. With these okay. Okay. Um, but no, they're going to be ridiculous. We're going to have, I'm going to make memes out of you. Um, and they're going to be you holding phones and like weird cups and trying to type. It's going to be like a when you put those shoes on dogs and they try to walk in the snow and they're like can't yes that's gonna be us okay i'm in i'm, I'm excited in. so we were just discussing that you're an incredible human but people don't really see as much of that because you kind of have been through a different type of life a life that so many hope they never well one get to live but then hope they never have to live um, because you've had some serious trauma, you've had really positive experience with your partner, and then you've had really horrific experience with your partner. And all while doing that, you've been raising kids. And I, I don't know how many people have really talked to you about a bunch of those emotional things outside of like, you know, Chad did ultimately take his own life and that had an effect on your family. But I don't think they really pull out and have a conversation with you about you. And yeah. I want to know about you. And I want, I want to know, maybe you can take me through as much as you would like, as deep as you would like, really what that was like, yeah. how you kind of got through it, and then we'll go from there. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, yeah, I think up to this point, you know, I advocate a lot for veterans mental health and I've shared my story and my marriage and, um, some of Chad's struggles, but I don't 
but then it and but then it ends right like for most people the story ends because my husband took his life and he's no longer here and i am just this person who is advocating for veterans and that's true that's all true um but there's like this whole other piece that you go through when you lose a spouse and like you said you kind of become part of this group you're a widow that you didn't really ever want to be a part of. And then to navigate that with children is just complicated. Um, complicated because when, when Chad died, my kids were 14 and 17. So what, what a, what, what a pivotal part in a kid's life, you know, being, yeah, like being a teenager and just trying to figure yourself out and, Figuring out life, you know, it's just such a super impressionable age and, and especially in today's world and being in high school. And then, you know, because of Chad's job, we were always very aware that his job was dangerous. We had experienced, you know, a handful of deaths prior. They had friends whose dads had died. So in a weird way, they had been exposed to a little bit of what this life is, if that's fair to say. But a lot of the other people they know whose dads died, their dads died while overseas. You know, they were like fighting the fight. They were taken from you doing exactly what they were born and built to do. Whether it was a tragic accident, like a helicopter crash or a training accident that happened but then to lose your parent and for me to lose a spouse to suicide, I can't even put into words the type of almost like relentless punishment that brings. So you find that it's more difficult, obviously. And I think the answer is pretty clear, but because you had children there, it wasn't, you weren't left to deal with this on your own and the repercussions that that had with you, but you now had, two very impressionable children. It worked both ways, really. I mean, it was terrible because you have children. And so while you're in grief, you kind of have to put your grief on a back burner a lot of times to make sure, you know, you're kind of like, I I felt like my head was always on a swivel, still is. Are my kids okay? Are my kids okay? If, If you lose a parent to suicide, statistically, children are three times more likely to take their own lives. That's what statistics say. So it makes me super, you know, I don't want to say paranoid, but I I definitely worry like most parents do about their kids and now more so. But um, and then on the flip side, you know, I can quite honestly say that if I had lost Chad the way I lost Chad and didn't have children, I would not be here. So in a lot of ways, they they do save me um, and they've helped me to be strong because I'm just trying. I mean, I have terrible days still, but trying to show them like you can do hard things. You can go through hard things and learn to be okay. It's not easy to do. No, no. Day out. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty exhausting. And it's hard because, you know, then you start you, if you're like me, I get kind of obsessive on like research and learning things. And so you dive into children and loss and grief and grief with suicide and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I have a daughter and a son and I had a, I have a sister, never had a brother. 
And um, even when we had Hudson, I was excited to have a boy, but I was like, I don't know shit about boys. Like, I don't (laughs) know what to do. And again, when you start reading about children, they'll say that your same sex parent is your most influential parent. Oh, fantastic. that makes me think, okay, I'm a girl. I know girl stuff. I can help guide my daughter on how to be a woman. But, and I like to think I'm like a pretty rad mom. Like I ride skateboards and dirt bikes and you have, like, you have two boards behind you. Just saying, yeah, they, oh, three, my apologies. That's, that's where I mount them. Cause they're close to the front door. So I can just grab and go. But I like to do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, as Hudson has gotten older, I'm not a dude. And, and that's hard because it's like, I can do all that fun stuff, but I still don't think like a dude does. I remember when Hudson was little, I came home and Chad had him and his friend Manny at the park and he had them hanging over the very high railing one arm and one leg. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, he's got to learn how to like spider drop, like how to monkey drop from like, you know, eight feet up. He wanted to know that Hudson could drop off of that thing and not break a bone, like drop and roll. And then I came home one day and he had mats stuck out the back of our truck. And he was teaching the boys how to like run off the back of the truck, land on the mat and like do this crazy roll. You know what I mean? And it's just stuff like, I don't think like that as a mom in terms of play. So That's it's just very carried. Mili- and it's also very military of him to be <laughs> when I think I mean, about my husband doing things to my son, it was more like moto bike related. It wasn't so much like he needs to learn to spider drop from when he's I know. <laughs> And I just, I remember him saying that and I just kind of was like, Hmm. I didn't really think much of it. Um, thought of that. Yeah. So, yeah. So navigating this with kids has been, has been hard. And I've watched my other girlfriends struggle in their own ways. Cause a, a lot of my other girlfriends that are widows have kids that are much younger. And that brings a whole nother, you know, like a set of hurdles you have to go through. Do you feel a sense of like, uh, cause we talked about this before, like you have a community around you. You have a community of women who have been in similar situations or in the same situations. Do you feel a part of you needs to almost because their kids are younger, kind of like help them through that just because yours were older? Because I feel like if I saw that happening around me with children on a regular basis and I don't know, I, I want to mother everybody. It gets a, it's a problem for me. I want to mother mm. everyone. So maybe that's me projecting. I'm projecting. Don't worry about it, Sarah. <laughs> Okay. I'm learning a lot about you here. Um, uh, is it fair for me to say that I don't know if I'm as nurturing as that? Um, I mean, I love my kids, other people's kids. I'm like, ah, you got a kid. (laughs) No, I mean, to be honest, the girls that are here, they are wonderful. And we definitely have a very close bond. And I think it kind of is an unspoken, any of us would step up for, for, for anybody. Um, And I would help them. But I also kind of feel like, I don't know if I could help them walk through grief with their children, just because they're experiencing it completely different. I mean, some of them, you know, their kids were one and two when their dads died or five and six. And so 
when my children were that age, they had a dad. And so who am I to say, I know how are the conversations you should have with this little person about, and I'm saying dad, just because I'm typically speaking of seals and they're all men, but this really the military who loses, you know, a a parent. So, so, yeah. It's just so the, the dynamic is so different, right. From a combat deployment, you know, death to that it's, it's a different animal. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine because nobody wants to ever go through that. So you, you never let your brain go to that, but you grew up in a military family. Yeah. Yeah. We both did. I mean, Chad and I are both military kids. Our dads served their entire career beyond 20 years in the military. You know, the difference was, is I can't remember anybody that we knew that died. I didn't have that. I can think of, I didn't have any friends who lost a parent. I can't think of anybody that my dad knew that I would have known died. And, and I think that just kind of goes back to kind of what they did in the military and, and really the state of the world. Then, um, both of our, neither of our dads were in Vietnam. They kind of like came in right at the tail end of that. Um, and so, you know, I didn't really experience death until marriage and with Chad and being in this community, you know, as, as great as our country is, it's just kind of unfortunate. It's really sad. The more, the more you learn afterwards, the more you start to educate yourself on like what's going on and why it all happened and the back end of it. It's hard sometimes not to want to kick somebody in the face, but there's also you know, the idea that it happens and be grateful that we have incredible individuals that are willing to step up yeah. when, when the time comes like, you know, like Chad was. And so it's, it's, it's a, it's a frustrating stance because after everything happened in Afghanistan this year, the, the, the amount of individuals who are just so angry, oh. like, God, I'm sure you saw it. You had to have, I mean, you're so involved. Yeah, I worry about them. I worry about that taking a toll on their mental health. You know, people that have have given so much and lost friends and loved ones and them wonder, was this all for nothing? Like, is my work not valid? Is this not worthy? Um, am I unworthy? I just, I worry about the headspace there and where that might go. Yeah, it's concerning only because there there was such an outpouring of people saying that it wasn't a one-off like i remember the week that social media week was ruthless it was the most anger and hatred the the media in canada were calling vets who had previously been interviewed on the news or had had some you know media experience and were asking them to interview them on a panel about how angry they must be. Mm. And I'm like, God damn, you're gaslighting people so hard with that. Like, I mean, it's hard enough to watch and then to hear you, you know, approach it in the way that they did. But mind you, in Canada, it actually wasn't even reported on the news that Mm. it was happening. So, you know, there's, there's that. Um, I, all the American friends I have, you, you included in, um, all of the Marines and everyone I have on social media, 
you, I was being bombarded with this and I, I wonder how, I wonder how you felt during that. Did it affect you at all? Um, I mean, I, I, to some degree, I, I feel, I felt a little, I don't know if I even feel right saying this, but it's true. I felt a little bit like, well, I mean, hopefully Chad's death was worth it because all the years overseas really took their toll on him. So there you go. So I, I, you know, I, I can't speak for, for any other widows or anything. No, of course. I just wonder if they felt like, wow, um, you know, and, and at the military down to its core, what you're supposed to learn how to do is, is be a leader, whether you're the actual leader or not. What most people come out of the military with is, is a, is a, like this foundational skill of leadership to, to some level. Right. And to see leadership fail at such an epic proportion those were words a friend, a friend used recently. Uh, I think, I think that's, what's frustrating too, is like just, and, and the military too. One thing you have to do is you, you have to own it, right? Whether you do awesome. Okay. You roll with it. If you fuck up, you have to own your fuck up and for them to not own the fuck up, I think pissed people off. Yeah. I mean, I think they had every right to be pissed off. You have yeah. to, you have to do, cause if you, and here's the thing that drove me the most bonkers is if you're going to go and, and address like the entire world about what you're doing and why you're doing it and you actively lie and make it seem like it's not a big deal and like, you know what you're doing. And then it completely crumbles in a way, like in a diehard movie way where like the guy gets on a helicopter with all of the money from all of the country and just fucks off yeah. and you're like it's fine this is gonna go great we've got lots of time taliban won't take it for a while oh no it fell it's it's fallen it's fallen it's fallen during the speech that's how fast it went like it it fell in such a like a dramatic like movie-esque way that it's almost hard to believe and then the next day you see people Blackhawks with people just waving, hanging on stuff yeah. and people falling off of planes and, and they still stick with, nah, it's not a big, we got it. We're, it's under control. It's solid. Then there's yeah. like, no, it, we're just going to stand people in a corridor and hope they don't get blown up. And then, oh, shock, shit, the whole country that we've been fighting, the only way they use weapons on a mass destruction is IEDs and oh they didn't just randomly drive like how shocked are we at all of the way this played out but that's the thing is they held on to that I think I think your government is delusional uh yes but like not in a conspiratorial way or a left or a right way this is I got no skin in your game I'm Canadian <laughs> I feel like that this gives me an out. Um, I have no skin in your game. I I love, I, I'm more of a centrist than I am anything else. I just believe people should have rights, period. There we go. Yeah. But that's not that, you know, difficult. But my, my point here is watching this from the outside and just still seeing them hold on to like, nah, we got this. This is going to be fine. This is, this was worth it. This is totally yeah. fine. And then to see it fall and them still be like, so it's not our fault. And, and, and when somebody 
fails that that hard that just eats shit that hard on a on a global scale and they just don't take ownership yeah what that says to me is that it's it's the damage is so far done and that scared me because the united states has always been the one who's like for for a little bit of it at least of the era i've lived in has been like knock 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 let's i'm here to fuck your shit up and then when you guys do that <laughs> We have to go, oh, come on, man. Yeah. I don't want to go. And they're like, yeah, but you're NATO. And you're like, all right. And off we go. And then we follow. And then next thing you know, people are standing in Afghanistan in the middle of the night with no NVGs because you're not properly ready to handle what's about to come at your shit. So I don't understand. Just can you guys get it together? I mean, I wish so. It's like for the U S to be this powerhouse of a country and a free nation and we fail so badly. It, it makes me embarrassed and it makes me sit here and wonder are other countries just sitting here laughing at us? Well, hundred percent. Some are are for sure. I mean, we're not because we're worse off. So we, we, we have no right to laugh. Right. Like we can't laugh at you because we're so much worse. Um, so that would be hypocritical, but I mean, we're also fine with doing that too, but China's yeah, for sure. Russia, like all the people that are like the anti-America, like, you know, like real people, their, their governments are not, not enjoying this. I mean, it's obvious the way that they're reacting, but anyway, I digress. My point is I do rants. Can you tell? So I'm I'm, I'm, I just want to know you. I want to know like you. I want to talk about you. I want to know, you and I talked about how you were raised um, when, you know, we chatted previously and all of that. And then we got talking about some stuff you're doing right now. And I think it's really great. And so you're, you got like a van. Dude, I'm so pumped about it. And I have updated photos. I'll send them to you. It's going to be me, so bad. Tell, tell me your plan because this goes... You are such a strong human to come out the other side the way you are. And I, I love seeing you thrive. And I want people to see you thrive, to know that it's okay to thrive. So please tell me about your van plans. Well, people should also know that I didn't come out like, I was just texting a friend today. Uh, and we were sharing, he, he has his own struggles. He's an ex-team guy and he has a presence on social media and he tries to be super supportive, inclusive for veterans, especially their mental health. And he was just saying how much he's been really struggling and it's really hard for him sometimes to be that person. And the same is true for me. It's like, you know, you present, I, I do a fundraiser and start a nonprofit and speak for veterans. And I do all that and I believe in it and I'm passionate about, but what people also don't know is like, when I beat my bathroom door with a hammer, like I beat the whole fucking thing with a hammer. This was shortly after Chad's death and it was all busted up for months. And then I got mad one night and I busted it again. And then my girlfriend insisted on replacing the door. And my daughter said, you might not want to, cause she might beat the door again. I, I break stuff when I tend to get mad okay. and uh, they replaced sure the door it. and I beat the door again. And so there's definitely a lot of just like struggle and times when I'm just on my back porch crying by myself and just like 
literally lost, you know, but I think being a military kid really served a great purpose for me in this loss because I think that it naturally made me a pretty resilient person and it made me always kind of forced to look inside myself and I'm constantly trying to like evaluate myself and, and what I believe in and, and who I want to be and how I want to show up to friends and family and events and even this podcast. Um, so, you know, I'm just doing the best I can, but I'm definitely not, I'm not like kicking ass every day. I'm just trying. Hey, <laughs> so, you know what? You don't have to every day. No one, <laughs> no one even who has not been through trauma to the extent in which you have kick ass every day. Anybody who says they do, unless you're Elon Musk, you're a liar. Yeah. Even him, he's got to have a fucking bathroom door bashing day some days. He's, I don't know if it's bathroom door bashing or it's like, I don't know. He's a, he's a wanderer. It looks like he's got his fun activities. I bet. I'm sure there's plenty going yeah. on there that we don't see the, everybody isn't strong 24 seven. And, and the other thing is we need to stop normalizing that in our society. Um, because it sets up this really unrealistic expectation of human beings. And it is fine to be rigorously disciplined. It is fine to be, you know, somebody who works out, you know, even seven days a week and does, you know, X, Y, and Z. But there's also a line where you have to re realize that we're all human and yeah. that we all have a break point and it's totally okay to hit those on a semi-regular basis. Well, and both sides, right? So like, I think what we see is we have one group of, uh, you know, people will either tend to be like super rah, rah, you can do it motivational yeah. or go on the other end of like, I've experienced such a hard thing and I'm in a terrible place. And, and that's also hard. But one thing I told a girlfriend, um, especially for someone who's grieving, but I think this applies to humanity is how often do people say, how you doing? Yeah. How you doing? Oh my God, I say this all the time. I want people to say, hey, how are you doing today? Because if you just say today, it opens up the ability for people to say, you know what? I'm having a really awesome day. Here's what happened. Or it has people the opportunity to be like, you know what? Today kind of sucks. And let me tell you why. And it, it, then it gives us the freedom to equally enjoy and validate both sides. Does that make sense? Oh, I love it so much. You don't even understand how much I just love that because that is something I say, I've said so many times to people because you have one of these faces. I'm fair warning you. You have the uh -oh. face. Yeah. I mean, you oh, have you're like, that girl's fun. Yeah. Well that too. But like, also you have the face where like you're standing in a grocery store and somebody's like, Hey, how are you doing? And you're like, great. And then you go, how are you? And they're like, Oh my God, I feel like I can tell you my whole life story. And then they start. Cause I have one of those faces. Apparently the resting bitch face also means tell me all of your problems right now. I'm that person. I know I told you because I know you. And so <laughs> I have that, you have that. And that brings its own set of things. But I've expressed my frustrations, especially during COVID with this behavior with humans, where we walk down the street and no one will make eye contact with you. Oh, California. No oh, oh, California. But if you just, they look down, they'll look at their phone because 
there's this, I think there's number one, there's social anxiety baked into humanity right now. Like it's never been seen. So people really do genuinely struggle with that. And if I see you struggling with it, I'll do it more because I, I, I want, Hey, hi, I'm up, up, up here. Like, look in my eyes, have a conversation with me, but I, we don't ask genuinely anymore. How are you doing? How's your day? How's life? We don't, we don't take the time. We move too fast. I did an interview with a monk yesterday and that was one. dude, you want to hear what happened? Why was I not in on this? That's like, that's like a dream of mine. I will get back to the van. I'm going to introduce you to him after. Um, so anyway, I did an interview with him long and short audio didn't record on his end, blah, blah, blah. He live streamed it on his Instagram. So I'll send you it so you can hear he's amazing. But he talked so much about our world moves too fast. The United States in particular, Canada, we move too fast. It's like, just chill out, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just like if you could just chill out. So my idea is what if we just dose the water? Like the water supply of like a city with like psilocybin. <laughs> okay. How much better do you think that city would be in about four to six hours? I, I mean, I personally think if everybody in the world would at least just do it once, people would be better humans. You would just be a better human. See right? See what I'm saying? I know. Uh, I got the woo vibes, but it's serious. There is no, there is no patience in humanity. There is no, we have to go. We have to go. We have to go. We got to work. We got to do this. We got to this and that. And if you're not do always doing six things, or at least in our world, I'm talking in particular, but me and you, if we're not seeming to be doing like six things, like you're not successful, you're not networking, you're not, you know, coming up with new product. You must not be doing, you know, it's people have perceptions that you have to be going at this pace and it's going so fast that we are no longer caring about anything besides an end goal and then moving on to the next goal. What goals? But are you fine? never get there because it's a constantly moving cycle. You know, I'm a huge fan girl, Huberman, Andrew yeah. Huberman, listen to all of his stuff. And it's like not good for our brains either. Like our brains need to sometimes just be bored. Yeah, they do. And Same that's okay. Can, like fix humanity. Well, I actually asked, okay, so it, um, his name is, I can't, I want to pronounce it properly because I'm looking at my notes from yesterday. It's, it's G Dow. It's, but it's spelled T-R-I-D-A-O. He, we talked about this, like our brains can't handle, we need to chill out. We have, we have to chill out. We have to calm down. And I said to him, do you think Buddhism would save the world? Do you think Buddhism could save the world? I've never seen somebody with such an intense face just immediately goes, yes, if our governments would listen, our schools would listen, we taught our children early about how to handle emotional intelligence and meditate, the world would be fine. Yeah. But the unshakable faith in his face when he spoke about this was something I've never witnessed before. Well, I think... Take the religion out of it. Take the the meaning of just be a good person, stillness, you know, uh, giving and respecting, like just the the common values of it. Take the religious side out of it. Well, I I think too, 
Uh, um, and I've shared this story before, but when I lost Chad, a widow came to my house. I didn't know her at the time. And she said, this will make you kinder. And I was pissed when she said, yeah. like, you don't even freaking know me. You don't know if I need to be kinder. That was like, my, <laughs> I was so pissed. And it took me about probably eight months. And when I hit about the eight month part, I had, I, I, you know, I did, I still do, but I've done so much soul searching and journaling and reading and listening to podcasts and meditating. And, you know, and the more it sounds so woohoo cheesy, but it's like the more you look inside of yourself, whether you do that organically, whether you, you, you know, you psilocybin and do that, whether you just meditate, whatever it is, maybe a traumatic experience has forced you to do that. It ha- I, I see it as you have no other option than it makes you kinder. And when you're kinder, you're not only kinder to yourself, you're just kinder to other people. And I'm not saying I'm kind all the time, but I'll tell you what I do. Here's a simple, simple challenge to your viewers. When you're checking out at the grocery store or anywhere else, put your phone down. Do not get your phone out. And when the clerk says, hey, how are you doing today? I want you to look them in the eyes and say, whatever your answer is, my day really sucks. How's your day? Or my day is great. But look them in the face. When someone holds the door open for you, look them in the face and say, thank you. Just those little interactions generally make that person feel better, but they make you feel better. Well, they, they do. You, they do. There's, there's so much to be said about giving and and talking to someone and not, not expecting something in return, just, just listening. And that's something we just, we don't, we don't practice. And it's all comes down to practice because you can't expect to be this kind person, this open person, this patient person. If you don't, I believe work on it. I think part of being a good person in the world is, is doing a little bit of work for on yourself whether yeah. you realize it later in life that, hey, oh man, that childhood really sent me sideways. That was a real rough go there for a minute. Like once you realize, you know what I mean? But like, you, I think that everybody should, it should be mandatory. Like now I'm talking about like, like a dictatorship. Hey, wait, Joe, I, <laughs> I live in one. Never mind. Ha, I'm already there. But I'm um, talking about like really making it a part of school having a whole class on mindfulness, well-being, how to handle emotional feelings, the the deep, the dark, the shit that goes on in your life. If we just, I think if we truly just gave people the tools in their yeah. toolbox when they're young, or even if you realize it when you're old, learning though, just being willing to to learn and be better, it goes such a long way. I mean, look at you. You're no longer a, a ball of anger. You're a ball of anger and kind of kind of on good days no no, good days is like a ray of light yeah I I would say generally I I'm I have pretty pretty normal days these days and when I'm mad it's usually when I'm in the car by myself Mm. and I talk out loud did the other day like someone was probably watching me thinking I was like but I wasn't I was talking and I was pissed um yelling at someone else yeah yeah so can I ask uh, a super personal question? Sure. And you Go don't for have it. to answer it, but it's personal. Do I'm you ready. do you talk to Chad? Yes. That's what I was mad at yesterday. I was telling him I was pissed. Um because you know, grief is not like I think I think 
grief in the book sense and the Instagram sense and the Facebook sense, it's always made out with these pretty quotes that you're just in this super deepest, saddest state. It doesn't look like that. It's And those uh, six avenues of grief, Karen Keebler Ross or whoever, that's bullshit. I mean, I don't know where she is or if she's alive, whatever. I, it's total bullshit. Um, you know, it's like denial, bargaining, anger. It's There's no linear to it. It's like if I were to show you a piece of paper and scribble all over it and I can show you my journals because that's what I've done at days when I'm just like all over the place. That's what it is. and And it isn't like you lose someone and you're really, really sad. And then after you're done being sad, then you get mad. And then after doing mad, then you question it. It, It's not like a stepping stone. It's like some days I have things that just hit me and like take my breath away. Like I will go about my day and something happens and it's literally like life is sucked out of me and I will just be so sad. Um, And then there's other days where you're just mad. And, And I think sadness is an acceptable emotion. Anger typically is not as acceptable. And that's why people want to like tiptoe around it. And I, I think we also need to normalize, like when you lose someone, it's okay to be mad and it's okay to be mad at them. Right. Yeah. And I've definitely been mad at him because, you know, when you have, if we want to keep it real, real, um, break it real, real. If you are married to someone as I was for 20 years and they were your life and you were their teammate and they do this job that's dangerous and you've watched other friends die and you're ready that if he should die, he didn't choose to leave. Um, But, and, and people say, well, his brain was sick and he wasn't thinking right. And like, I've said it before, the unconscious doesn't care about facts. I read that in a book spot on. And so I can say all those things all day long. And I believe that like, obviously he, something, he had blast wave injury, you know, he had an injury, but you cannot neglect your subconscious. And at the end of the day, he left me like I was sleeping in my bed and he got out of my bed and walked away from me. I mean, that is like, the largest heartbreak and biggest betrayal and abandonment. So I, 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 I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this and I don't mean any disrespect, but if he had been killed overseas, I felt like I would be able to carry this differently, but he didn't. And so that is the trauma I carry is that the person I loved and my teammate that I gave everything to in a lot of ways, it doesn't feel like he gave it back to me and he left. That's okay to say that though. The reality is that's how it played out. It wasn't, you're not, you're not, you're not talking disrespectfully. You're, I think if anything, you're talking incredibly respectfully I think you're being honest and I think he and you and anybody else who's been in that experience or understands suicide to whatever the extent we fully understand it would say 
No, you're just being super, super honest. You're, and people would be happy because yeah. nobody talks brutally honest about anything. So then when that thing then happens to you, you feel bad about thinking that way. You feel like it's wrong to think that way, but in reality, it's you're human and yeah. you feel hurt and you feel angry and that's okay. And nobody should or could or, or anybody who, who makes a comment, frankly, about your position and has an opinion about your feelings can fuck off anyway because it's your feelings. It's not anybody else's. They don't get to decide how you process something. And yeah. at the end of the day, you only loved this person. You you know, you you never disrespect this person when you speak of him, but you speak honestly about the reality of what suicide is. Yeah. It doesn't make it easier. It, it makes it harder. You, you are angry. Suicide is not, it's not normal. It's like when people say, um, you're never supposed to bury your child. Yeah. There's certain things in the world that just feel off and they're, it's okay for those to feel off because they're, they're not the normal. And yeah. him dying overseas would be an expected norm that you were, prepared if you will to handle you're not prepared to handle this yeah yeah just so it's pretty um you know i've said it's just unrelenting that it's in some days it's really really loud and other days you just kind of go about your life but it's like when you think about moving forward in your life and having to carry that for the rest of your days it's, it's, it's tricky to think about how you're going to navigate that, you know, whether it's with future relationships or how you present that around your children. Mm -hmm. It's hard. So. It's a different, it's a different dynamic. You're not, you know, you have yeah. kids, you know, they're, they, they had a, a very present, very aware, new, very well dad. It's a yeah. different ball game, right? I don't yeah. know if it's, I, this and this may be wrong. I don't know if it's better that they were older or if they were one and two. I mean, there's there's pros and cons to both. There's this tricky either or. Yeah, they, we've talked. I've talked about it with some of the other girls, too. And I think, you know, I think we all kind of agree that there's no better or better worse time either. And then either one, I I, I am grateful because I know it's got to be hard for we call them littles, the littles you know, that they, they don't have a memory of their dad. And so their moms work really hard of like keeping him alive and like sharing stories. And I think in pictures and, and that's wonderful. I'm definitely grateful. I am grateful that my kids, you know, they, they, they know chat, they have memories. And my daughter doesn't speak about him that much. She just carries it differently. Hudson is like a mini Chad which in a lot of ways is great. But what I don't share with him is like sometimes how hard it is for me. Like hey. he wears Chad's jacket. He wears Chad's old shoes. I mean, he's the same height Chad was now. Um, and there's been times when he's just like, um, 
I, well, at my old house, he came to the door and I did, I couldn't see who it was. I didn't know it was him, but I could see an outline and I could see the jacket. And I literally was like, <gasps> like it just, um, but he talks about his dad a lot and, you know, reminds me of funny stuff and we'll like say things that he said. And so anyway, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's got to come. Like you said, that's got to come with its own, its own difficulties i mean that's like almost seeing a ghost you know you turn your head you whip your yeah. head around you're like oh shit god damn it why like it's it's a shock to the system and it does it in such a way that your whole body just huh, it's yeah no i can't um i can't imagine how difficult that would be i have one child who's young and the he's so much his father it's painful mm -hmm. in in every way shape and form and that would just be a I don't know if I'd be as strong as you would be. So I think it's yeah. amazing when you talk about like you smile when you talk about those situations, because yeah. like you said, they did know him and there's so much positivity in that and so much in him. So, you know, you still get to have, have that, but I love that you from a personal note, I love that you talk to him. I think that's so healthy. I think oh, that's so good. Yeah. I mean, I usually I'm in the car. I don't know why that's like, or in the gym. I, when I work out and when I drive, I feel like is when I think about Chad the most. Um, when you work out, huh? Yeah. Okay. Weird, right. Right. Um, I was thinking the other day, cause this is where my brain went working out. Maybe it means I'm not working out very hard. Cause I have a lot of time to think about it, <laughs> <laughs> which could be the case. Um, but I was just, you know, went down this rant in my head about how, you know, when people die, it's like you memorialize this person and there's so many nice things that people say. And so since I've experienced death so intimately, I then think, well, what would people say about me? And you never hear anyone <laughs> say like, well, she was a bitch, you know, or he was an asshole. And I always thought, well, who didn't like Chad, you know, because... And I don't know if people who've lost other people thought that. I don't know. It's just, I think about him a lot. And then my brain went down just this rabbit hole, kind of much to what we said earlier about, it is very important that you make sure the people that are in your life know how you feel. I, and I've done more of that now. So like last year on not ever all of them, but on the handful of the widows, their husband's birthdays. I wrote their husbands a letter, even though some of them I'd never met, about like how good their wives are doing. And just, it makes me want to cry. Like, I know. Thank you for that. Doing. I'm like, oh. I wanted, and then I, I gave it to the wife in an envelope so she could choose to read it or not. But it was like, people need to know how other people see them. Does that make sense? So like, so like in this widow life, and I keep saying that because there is a ton of us in Virginia Beach. I mean, there are a ton of us here, which is great. Um, but, you know, to some degree, some of them have impacted my life so greatly. I wanted to kind of pay it back to them by making sure that I was, if I could talk to their husbands right now and boast about them, this is what I would say, you know? And so- Anyway, that's such thinking a about Chad, thing. thinking about making sure the people that are in my life know, know they matter to me. That's important. That's huge what you do there. That, um, that's so special on so many levels because 
I think what people really want is just to feel heard, to feel mm -hmm. seen, to feel like their presence is noticed and people are grateful and appreciative, whether it's, you know, even in the smallest gestures, but you going out of your way to do that, that's a, that's a hugely beneficial thing that you probably won't even realize the, how much light that gave them, how much just a boost that gave them in a way that they probably did not expect. But it also gave them an example of yeah. how to be supportive and communicate and how to share and, and almost like an open door, like you can share, share as deeply, as much, as little as you want. And it's okay. And I'm good with you doing that. Like you opened a door, you gave them a safe space and an understanding that they're being seen. And that's yeah. really, that's invaluable. Well, I just, I want people to, it's, you know, it goes into the whole trauma and vulnerability. There's, we could go Brene Brown on this podcast. Love her. But, you know, I mean, I think there's just so much missing in, in the light in the world today. So as like one little person in the world, you're kind of thinking, well, what are the things I can do to pay it forward? Plus, I've said before that I had so much freaking love for that boy, freaking love him, that I don't have anywhere for it to go. So, and, it, and otherwise it just like builds up in you and some of the other girls have, have echoed those same sentiments. And so you turn around and you think, well, where can I, where can I express this like love for the other people in my life? So yeah. you, and so you decided you're going to do a nonprofit. So can you tell me about it? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, well, it kind of happened organically with the Chad 1000 X stuff, which is a workout, right. Goes around the globe. Um, that Chad did, we raised money and um, we, I, I just ended up starting my own nonprofit because I, someone said, you have a good story, you know, and it's like, ah, um, but I get what they, I get why people say that. And it's true. It's, it's not that like, oh, that's such a good story, but it, it's a platform that, that makes sense. That's probably very relatable to many of our veterans and, or family members that have lost loved ones. And so basically starting this nonprofit, the Step Up Foundation um, will allow us to fundraise and bring in money that can then turn around and go towards programs that are accessible for veterans to help treat TBI and blast wave injury. Um, and unfortunately, there's not a ton of, you know, solutions out there right now, but it's still just giving people a space to come and seek help and, um, and, and really just in a lot of ways on their sounding board. I mean, I'm amazed at how many people have reached out and shared such personal stories and it's hard. That's a large responsibility, but, um, but I'm in it, you know, and I'm, I'm rolling with it. So where you're putting all your love. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's good to have a place to put it because it's only going to benefit. It's, only going to benefit so many but it's it's unfortunate that you had to go through and continue to live with you know the 
the horrific side that brought you to the light. There's always a, there's always a, a you know, a catalyst point, a jump off point, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's not great. Sometimes it, it comes from really, really sad things. And so, yeah, when people say to you like, oh, you've got a great story. It's like, I know what you're, I know how you feel about that. Like, that's a, that's a weird, I get it, but God damn, that's a weird thing to say to humans. Uh, when you've talked about talking about their trauma, it's like, you've been through some shit. Great story though. God, that makes for good TV. Like what the fuck? I mean, I get it. Okay. But I do joke about making a table book about all the things people say that are wrong to What's someone. Wrong with you? Why haven't you done that yet? Yeah. It's like, oh, come on, let's be better. Let's use better language. Um, so well, it's also you. tricky too. Like, and there's been many people that have experienced like life altering things and they move forward to start like an organization, a nonprofit. And a lot of the girls have done similar in their, in their husband's name and they raise money for various things. I think where I find myself has been a huge conversation with myself in terms of, you know, when you have a loss like this, you could easily, I could easily just walk away from this community and leave Virginia Beach and go live a very quiet life. I could reinvent myself in a new town and I wouldn't necessarily have to share my story. You know, that was one option. It's like, I could just go be Sarah. And that's what I did on my van trip, which we'll get to. I took a van trip, 10 days, didn't speak to anybody. Well, spoke to two people and they don't know anything about me. That was my plan. Uh, Or if you do this nonprofit as I have, and I public speak and I, I'm on the board for other nonprofits. I believe in this. I don't do things I don't mean. I don't say things I don't mean. My heart is in this. But it it is a little tricky of how much of my identity could or is getting attached to Chad and his legacy. And is that going to prevent or impact my life moving forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, a hundred percent. Oh, I think it, yeah. I think there'll be some impact, but I don't, it's, I think it's how you choose to see it. And I think it's how you want to approach it. And I think at the end of the day, you're the one here. So yeah. you're the one that gets to dictate what you want. Right. Yeah. And you'll always be wrapped up in it because that was your, that was your dude. That's your guy for most of your life. That And th- those are your babies. And that's your mini chat. I mean, you're going to have that. But I think I think you're doing a great job of, of holding your own as you. You're not Chad's wife. You're Sarah. Yeah. Chad was my husband. It's a different animal, lady. You're, you're handling it like a champion but you're also holding your own. And I think you can, damn girl, you could come out one day and be like, I'm starting, I'm going to build longboards for the rest of my life. And people would be like, that's Sarah, the longboard chick. Like you will always hold your own because of the, the, of, because of the person you were previous to Chad, the person you are with Chad and the person you are after Chad. Well, you're great. I just need to keep you in my pocket every day. I need like daily inspiration. Well, it's true. I'm not. But that's re- the thing. No, I mean, I really do appreciate it. That's awesome. Thank you. But it's true. I think you're going to be just fine. I think there's so many people though, that they do get wrapped up in that. And I can see why that's a, 
a thought process or a concern or something that's popped into your head. I mean, it's only, it's only, um, it's only fair to think that you would, you would think that way. I mean, there's so many people who, you know, their spouse is, is who their family's known for. Like think of it with athletes, think of it with, um, you know, just anybody who has a a massive platform, like, it's like, this is so-and-so, so-and-so's wife. It's, yeah. it's, you, you know, it's a stand, it's a standalone thing. I remember it with Brady, my husband, he, um, he was a, a supercross racer and I met, I met him at a supercross race. Right. Cause I was a total like pro ho and I'm cool with it. Like a everybody. Pro-ho. We call them frog hogs. You guys call them pro hos. Motos pro hos. I love it. Okay. That's how I met my husband. I was sleeping with his teammate. I met him at a race. I talked, Hey, this story was told at my wedding. Nobody not knows the story. I told this. I was like, this is, this is okay. Yeah. Let's do it. I love it. I'm in it. Yeah. But like, seriously, it was a thing. Right. And so like, (laughs) I was at a supercross and I was there to see this dude. And then we all came back from a monster energy supercross party. There was like eight of us. So we all went into one hotel room and we're all going to crash. Right. And so, God, I love how into this you are right now. I, I, is amazing. I my life isn't that exciting. So then, what happened well, this is so, this, so then what happened with the motor race? Well, I'm married. So what do you think? Happened? No. Yeah. So what happened was I met him right before I deployed and, um, he rolled over. So we all, my girlfriend goes like, Hey, I can't sleep in this bed. I have a boyfriend, but I don't want to sleep on the floor. So if you sleep in between the random dude and I, then we're good. And I was like, I'm. I am 18 years old. I don't care. I'm just going to sleep in the bed. I'm going to go to sleep. And so this guy has a broken wrist rolls over with like, a. I think it was like, a. he's like literally just shattered his wrist racing that, um, he crashed in practice. So I didn't see him out there. And so he rolls over and he's like, hi, I'm Brady. And I was like, hi, hi, hi. (laughs) And then we, we exchanged numbers and we just became friends and we got to know each other via like, uh, you know, remember when blackberries were a thing like BBM. Oh yeah. Oh Oh, yeah. yeah those days, baby. For the people that are, yeah. Oh yeah. For the people that are listening, who are like probably too young to be listening. It's a phone that is not cool anymore. And, um, with the world's tiniest buttons. And so we, we get to know each other that way. And then when I came home from deployment, that's when we started dating. And it was, so it was this real like weird thing. And I can understand I've been at races where it's like, that's pretty shit. And then I'm Brady Sharon's girlfriend. And now I'm like, this is Brady, my husband. Mm-hmm. I'm Kelsey. Like it's a, you know, you can, I yeah. feel like you can, you can choose to, you can make a conscious choice to, to be that. And that's fine. If you want to just be like off to the side, like you said, do your thing. That's you. But I, that's not, I don't think that's you. I think, I think you're, you're your own, you're your own entity miss thing. And I mean, it's clear you hold your own. Well, I mean, I always had my identity before, you know, right. I mean, I had a whole separate career chatted his thing and, you know, it was fast and furious really, but it was great. And so I, again, I love doing this and I will keep doing it because I'm passionate. I'm passionate about our veterans and our community and their struggle. And I don't, I don't want another wife in my position. I just, I wonder if, in what ways it might pigeonhole me in terms of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't let it. So don't let it. 
Yeah. So just don't do it. Yeah. So just don't let I, it, don't let it pigeonhole you. Let like, just speak for yourself too, right? Like you yeah. can do the charity work you're doing. You can be the advocate. You can do all of these things and you can still be you. Yeah. Seriously, woman, I think you're, you're going to be fine. You're going to well, be I'm gonna do me in the van. So Tell me about the van. Yeah. So I went on this van trip, you know, cause I was trying to figure my life out. Uh, no, and it, it was more than a van trip. Stop it. You're, you're missing a whole part. You went and bought a van and then you called me and you're like, I'm sending this van to go be like done. And then you're like, oh, and I'm also doing this. So tell me how did the van start? Where did the van come from? Why the van? Okay. Well, so what originally happened was I took, I always wanted to go to the Pacific Northwest, never been. I found this company that rents vans. I rented it. I flew to San Francisco. So this was August of 2020. Flew to San Francisco, picked up this van. I had like a huge duffel bag with like everything I was going to need, like full rucksack. Yeah. Like a Sherpa. And (laughs) I take an Uber from the airport I go to this van place, pick up the van in uh, Seattle, and then basically just spend 10 days driving through the Pacific Northwest down the coast to ultimately turn it in in San Francisco. So I didn't really have much of a plan. I used a lot of hip camps, which is like Airbnb for camping. If people haven't heard of it, super rad. Amazing, by the way. Oh, it's so awesome. And so my first hip camp was... I don't know, outside Seattle. And it was some dude's house and he had a mini farm. And I was driving there thinking like, I could very well get abducted. I'm sort of obsessed with Dateline and I've seen all of them. And I'm like, I'm probably going to make it on Dateline. Like, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to kick the bucket. And, um, or it's going to be amazing. Right. So I'm like up for the adventure or happiness. It's going to be one or the other. The guy shows up and he lives there with his wife and his kids and he opens the gate and he tells me where to park. He's got a farm. He's got horses and chickens and like everything you could name. He's like, yeah, we live up there. We won't bother you, but you know, walk around. All the animals are friendly. And that's basically how I spent 10 days. I would just hop from like hip camp to hip camp. I stayed along the coast of Washington, like on this cliff. It was like, the pictures are insane. Drove through Oregon. Have you been to Oregon? No, I really want to go there though. I was like, when people say, oh, it's God's country. Have you ever heard it's God's country? Uh, that's what it is. It was gorgeous. Um, anyway, stayed at a winery. What? I went into it and my only rule was to talk to as few people as possible. Okay. I didn't really want to talk to people. And I had pretty much three conversations in the whole trip out aside from like checkout clerks and stuff. And, um, it was actually on that trip. I got a call from GoRuck who sponsors the chat event. But before that trip, they called and said, Hey, we'd like to do this fundraiser and we'd like to do this workout. And I was like, Nope. And they were like, Roger that. And when I went on the van trip, um, there was a video that went viral that I did with vets and it got posted. And then I laid on this picnic bench and like drank my favorite beer and really simmered on the idea of this workout. And that's kind of how I was like, all right, let's do this thing. In the meantime, I also was like, having a van is rad and this is my life now and I must own one. So 
on the van trip, I was researching companies to outfit it because I'm also okay with, I'm okay with saying what I don't know how to do. Like, you know, some people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I don't know how to outfit a van and I don't want to learn how to outfit a van. I'm not going to be that YouTuber DIYer. No, no, no. So I find the company I want to build out the van, fly home, research, try to find vans, um, and basically bought one in October of 2020, but it was just like a huge toaster. I mean, it was just completely <laughs> inside. And uh, you painted that way. Uh, well, I got big plants. I got big plants. So okay. um, the van's just been sitting in my driveway for like a year because it took forever with my contract I have with this company because they're busy. Like everybody's doing the van thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, beginning of December, I had to get the van out there and took my time and drove out. I drove right through Kentucky, um, right after that tornado went through, like the very next morning, it was crazy. And, um, so the van is there, it'll be done in two weeks. I fly out to Colorado and pick it up and I'm super stoked. Yeah. Drive your ass through up Colorado, up to Vancouver. Yeah. Visit the communist country, see us. Yes. Get your way back down. Yeah. I think that sounds like a plan. So I, um, and that's like what social media is awesome for is I was planning like where some trips should be. So I just put it out to people and it's like free resource. People are like, here's where you go. Here's where you stay. Here's the time of year you should go. So I kept, I bought a notebook and I've just been keeping a list of like all the things people say. So I have them for reference. You ski or snowboard? Can I ski? Yes. Okay. I can't, no, I've only tried to snowboard once and I got really sick with like the flu about 30 minutes into it. So you're like, it it's over. Like, it came like a bar for Rama weekend, but, and I haven't tried again since. Okay. So but my son's a big snowboarder. So, so you should just, when you're driving up, we'll go up to Whistler. We'll go oh, ski oh. and then you can go back down. We only live two, we're only two hours from it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You can go to snowboard? I mean, I ski. Okay. All right. I'm good with skiing. I used to snowboard when I was younger and before I realized how bad my concussions were, uh, the damage to my brain was. And then I hit my head really bad once snowboarding. And I was like, you know, I don't really like, I'm not really here for it. I don't like kind of going backwards and then just whiplashing myself stupid. I'm, yeah. I'll do that in other activities. I don't need this too. So skiing, the idea of going forward works well for me. And then just the, yeah. you know, the dickhead. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. All right. We'll race. Okay. We'll race. I'm going to fucking die. Great. I'm going to blow up my yeah. knee. We're going to have a whole new podcast about how I have to have a second. Hey, I'm going hard. Sarah. Just be ready. Oh, I'm so excited. I feel I'm a little intimidated for a moment, but I, I accept the challenge and I will take it on the chin. It will go well. Okay. I'm very right. excited for it. I'm Forget. disappointed that you're not going to be at SHOT Show next week. I don't have a reason to be there, but I could come. Me. What are we doing? <laughs> we will go to all the parties together. Okay. Sounds and great. And you can, you can, I'll drag you around and do brass and unity stuff with me all day. All right. I'm in. When, okay, is well, when are we going? Next week. Maybe, maybe too late, but I'm good. Get it together. It's Tuesday to Friday. Come hang out. I would love it. I know. I have, this is my first time going. And so 
I'm like, oh dear. They're like, you have to do this. And then you need to go here and chat with these people. And I'm like, I have to go talk. They're like, yeah, isn't that what you do for a living? I'm like, well, yes. I could come and be your handler. That's what my Oh my God. Yes. Yes. We would be a good time. I don't think we wouldn't be a good time. I think we would be the time. Actually, I'm getting the van. How about I just get the van and drive down? Don't talk dirty to me like this. <laughs> you're doing things. It's making me too excited about my life. Like, stop it. You're, you're r- ridiculous. And my God, I'm just so glad that I got to meet you. I'm just so glad that I found out and you're in my life now. I think this is what I'm talking about. You are more, you're so much more than your story. You're just starting. Trying, you know, trying. But trying is, trying is, is a passive. You are doing, you are not trying, you are doing. Don't speak to yourself like that because you're doing, acknowledge it, be proud of it. Yeah. I think this year will be a good year. Last year was a good year, but I think this year I'm trying to manifest. I manifested last year. This is what I told my girlfriends and it worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Not everything worked out, but that's fine. Okay. So I'm trying to manifest 2022 in awesomeness, just like awesomeness. I know we talked about this because I, yeah. I think, I, what did I say? You text me like, did you say 2022 is going to fuck? And I said, yeah, it is. You said it's going to fuck so hard. It's going to fuck really- so hard. It is. <laughs> it already is. I mean, look at, look at, I'm sitting with Sarah Wilkinson on my podcast talking about her amazing work that she's doing for our community. Someone who cares, a good human. I think 2022 is already kicking ass. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be great. Oh man. I'm so glad that you came on. I, uh, I know that everybody kind of knows where you're at and how to find you and stuff, but you do some other work that, um, I want to talk a little bit about, because I think it's so incredible that you're lending your time to this and you do a lot of board work. Do you Mm -hmm. want to talk about the, the work that you do with them and what kind of what they're advocating for and what they're doing in the community? Yeah. So, um, I do do some work with go rock, which is a rocking company. Um, and they're getting into kind of some fitness festivals. They're running a fitness festival called Sandlot Jacks in April, which would be pretty cool. You can Google it. It has a website. Um, but I'm also the, on the board for vets, which do you hear the jets flying over? Right I now? hear your jets flying over. People in this town, by the way, people in this town get so fired up about the jets. This is not news, people. We have multiple military bases. The jets live here. You have to just like learn to love it. You have to just you like, bought a house there. Like people yeah. know this. You you can. Hey, this you is not news. Me. Yeah, when you were looking at the house, you can't tell me you were walking through a house and over all of that time you didn't hear a plane because in the time that we were on the phone last time, we heard <laughs> how many planes? Many, many. Exactly. Planes. So you're gonna hear them. Um, no, but VET is, stands for Veterans Exploring Treatment Solutions, and it was started by close friends of mine, Amber and Marcus Capone, and he worked with Chad in the teams, and her and I have been friends for many, many years, and similar story, you know, I mean, he got out, he separated from the military, struggled a lot, and you can read their story on various platforms and, and listen to them. Um But what they ultimately do is they provide plant-based medicine for veterans, and that includes spouses at this point, um, so that they can start to use that plant-based medicine to kind of treat and assess some of the trauma and, and the head injuries that they've 
they've had in service. Um, and so I myself have got plant gone and got treatment. Um, and I'm, I don't shy away from that. I mean, I'm not necessarily out there just blasting it to the world, but there also isn't much that I hide, you know, it's like, that's the truth. And I tell the truth. So, um, I went and got treatment after Chad died, after I had exhausted many other traditional avenues. I mean, I still go to therapy once a week, um, but everything else, you name it, you know, I did it. Working out, walking, sleeping, not sleeping, reading books, listening to podcasts, yoga, like you name it, I've done it. Um, but it just got to a point where there is something was missing. Like there needed to be something more. It just, and, um, that's when I sought out plant medicine, but I've also then came on the board because of the life experience I've had and, and kind of this, um, perspective that I have in terms of having a spouse who clearly struggled, who's no longer here. And that's exactly what Vets is trying to do is like prevent this from happening to anybody else, but also being a spouse who understands what being married to someone in this field, what, what that does to us. And, um, and then also now being a widow and understanding, you know, that population of people. So. And do you feel comfortable saying which plant medicine you? Yeah. So I, um, when I first sought out treatment, I did it independently. So vets was not a part of this. And I sought out psilocybin and MDMA. Uh, and then I think it was about seven or seven months later, maybe, um, Again, a lot of soul searching and journaling, and there still needed to be more. And so I traveled out of the country and I did Ibogaine and 5-MeO-DMT. Um, and that's what many of the military, um, you know, there's, there's a variety of plant-based medicine and, and, and veterans can really choose kind of what avenue or, or what medicine they want to try for themselves. There's, you know, ayahuasca and there's ketamine. And, um, and so I went down and did it. I began, as they say, is the strongest psychedelic in the world. And, um, it's not for the faint of heart. It besides losing Chad. And I've said before, when my daughter was two, she had open heart surgery and that's pretty traumatic, especially, especially when you're 23, I was 23. Um, Watching her go through that, and she's completely fine now and thriving, but taking Ibogaine was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. This woman really selling it here. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, reality, you know, I, I gave a speech at the Vets Gala in November, which I think you can go back online and maybe watch the whole gala if people choose to. There are a variety of speakers, but... Um, you know, I say you, you are a badass if you are willing to meet your demons at the door. And that kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier too, is like really looking within yourself. And that looks different for everybody, right? Like everybody's going to take that self-evaluation to certain levels. Maybe it means you write in a diary every day. Maybe it means you just take a walk with your dog and you think about your life. And then maybe for some of us, we might choose this, this type of intervention, this plant-based medicine, but, um, 
I will not shy away from the fact that it had a huge impact in my life and it has made infinite strides in my healing. And I have watched so many men and, and there are some women that have done this, but, you know, majority we're seeing our guys, you know, because vets services branches of the military, but obviously the target is SEALs because that's just, that is our family and that's where we're starting mm-hmm. with. Vets right. would love to service anybody in the military that comes to them, but, you know, it does rely on donors and this it is, is expensive. expensive and, um, but but the door is open is, is what I'm saying. But I've just seen this. Um, I don't know if using a gateway is the right word, but just a gateway to healing. That's not to say people are going to go do this and you like do this thing and you come back and life is good and dandy and you just skip off into the sunset. I mean, you have to do the work on yourself and you have to really go into these practices with intention and really self-evaluating and like what you need and what you hope to get out of it. But also when you return home, you still have to do the work on yourself and who you are and what you've experienced and who you hope to be moving forward. But um, again, I think it has an amazing potential to heal. Yeah. Yeah. Integrating it is just as important as taking the step to do it. I mean, it's so it's, much it's, it's the are some, some argue, depending on what it is, it's the most important part of it, how you integrate it and how you choose to move forward and, and honor that. Right. It's, it's a different animal afterwards. It's different. Once you experience something like that, it's, it's hard to see the world in the same way. And it's, a, it's, it can be really like, uh, it can be uh, shocking to, to your system and to your reality and all of those things, because it's so intense. And I have never experienced Ibogaine, but from what I'm told from that and other psychedelics I've experienced, it's, it can shake your core. It can shake your perception of reality. And you really have to do the work afterwards to make sure that you integrate everything in properly so that you can utilize the tools that you were just given. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like that with anything, right? I mean, it's like, people who join a gym and like they buy the personal trainer, but they only want to do the exercises they like to do because that's comfortable. I mean, we're humans. Humans like to do what's comfortable. We also like our own habits. We're creatures of habit. But if you're willing to break outside of that, then there's a lot of of change and growth that can happen. Um, And I think for me, um, there's definitely people, I've experienced people that I'll say poo-poo it you know, mm-hmm. and that's fine. You know, people are entitled to think what they think, but I also have to tell myself, then maybe, then maybe you just haven't hurt that bad. Because I think if you hurt so bad and it's relative to everyone, but like, if you were in a place that you hurt so bad, you would, you would, you would be desperate to just have it not hurt. And that's where I was. And, and you know, I can't speak for him, but I would imagine that's, and because I know them so well, that's how Amber and Marcus were. And, um, you know, I think, I think about the people I know that have lost their spouses to suicide. And again, I can't speak for them, but if I would have known the ways Chad was hurting, 
I would have done absolutely anything to help him, even if it included this. Yes. I'm glad. I'm so glad that you see it when the world is starting to see it now for yeah. the opportunity that it can provide and those that it can save, because like that's how we met was through Marcus and Amber. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, it's so funny when you sit in someone's presence who, you know, was hurting. So, so like was so desperate to heal and was hurting so much. And then you sit there and you just see this huge giant human and he's literally a small child who's laughing 24 seven. Now <laughs> it's like the weirdest. <laughs> You're like, I was a breacher for a seal team six. I am just a goose with like, his little just, bitty dog. Oh my God. He, we opened the gate, Nikki and I got there and he goes, hold on. I have a really vicious guard dog. I just got to warn you. How are you with dogs? Like he was serious. He was <gasps> dead. He dead was serious. selling it. Yeah, he no. was selling. And I was like, ah, we're good, man. Like we have dogs. And then he goes, he's over there. Walks us over. He points. And it's just Charlie. <laughs> and I'm like, he's are like you this. kidding? Yeah, yeah. But he, I, you know, he, there's, I said that to them when, when we did the show, I said, there's such light happiness like goofiness, so, such just peacefulness when he was talking and to know that, you know, somebody who I've been deployed, I've been in combat, but I, I'm, I'm not a seal. And, yeah. you know, the amount of stuff they see and do is just is insane. So to see that side and to see him come out and how, how well he looks like he's doing and healing and, and thriving I mean, it's undeniable the usefulness that psychedelics can bring to healing to our, to our vets. And I'm so glad that you've experienced it personally for your own healing. And I'm so glad that it's given you what it looks like. It's given you some of the tools and, and moments that you can have peace again. And the reality that you are, you know, you are attached to a group of people that just want everyone to heal everybody who seems like they are in this psychedelic movement, they just want everyone to be at peace. Well, you want to know why? Because it makes you kinder, (laughs) but truthfully, but truthfully, it's kind of one of those things like, and I, and I talked about this before, like, like the group of widows that are in Virginia beach, because before Chad died, we would go out places, right? Local bar or whatever. And you'd hear people say the widows are over there. The widows. And I remember thinking, oh. so weird. Like they have names, like they're people, but that's kind of how they're referred to. And now I'm in this freaking group. And I, I've, you know, at times seen that or maybe felt that different places, but, and I feel this way now, but before Chad died, I would see some of them out. And there was always this kind of like, to me, this silent nod in my mind of just respect, like, I would see them. I would think of their husband's name. I would maybe see his face. And it was just, to me, it was always like respect, you know? And I feel the same when I am amongst company that I know have, are in this space, like, especially our military um, and, and spouses and loved ones. And it's not like we sit around and talk about it. And I don't ever talk about any, if I do, I don't ever share anybody's name or anything. Um, you know, us in our community are really good with like, or I am of just, you know, confidentiality, but it's just a matter of, we've had various events with vets and guys come in and this and that. And you just know, like 
they were a team guy for this many years and they've chosen this path to work on themselves. And it's always just like respect, you know, and, and you just, you just want nothing but goodness for them. That's what I want. So it's special because like you said, there's this, the silent understanding that you're about to go through some shit. You're going to, that's going to suck for a minute. Yeah. And, but like, you're taking the step, you're, 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 you know, you're grabbing, you're grabbing the reins. You're no longer allowing this to be the thing that hurts you or your family. You're, you know, that takes it to admit you're struggling. That takes, you know, balls and then to admit that you want to go and work on it and get emotional and get right down in it. And just, if, you know, ball your eyes out in front of a group of men, if necessary, it's something, maybe some people, you know, were taught their whole lives. Men don't cry. I mean, that's the reality that they were. And we're now in this age where it's like being vulnerable is the way we heal. We need oh, yeah. grown men who are six foot seven being like bawling their eyes out because unfortunately, sometimes it takes seeing that for some people to go, oh, it's okay. I can, oh my God, I can cry. Like it's, it's insane. How many people are afraid of crying? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, it seems unacceptable. It seems less than it seems weak. And especially when you're talking to this population, you know, military as a whole, right. Don't be weak. And then you start taking that closer and closer into like special operations and Navy SEALs and, it's just like, I mean, that's, that's kryptonite, man. You can't say that they're weak. And I don't, I think it's like, let's normalize that for you to really assess what you've been through for the sake of our country and to keep us free was a lot of shit. And it's, it's not shit they teach you in boot camp or buds or anything like that. And so you're being a man if you can take a minute and address that so that you can be the best version of yourself or your wife, your girlfriend, your, you know, whoever, whatever yourself moving forward. It's like, yeah, do it. Nice to see though, because I'm so glad we didn't come out of this war because there is so much PTSD and PTS and, 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 you know, blast trauma and TBIs. And there's so much that came out of this war, burn pit exposure. I'm so glad we're not treating it the same. Well, I'm so glad our population is not treating it the same way they did with World War II and Vietnam and Korea, where it's like drink yourself to death and beat your wife or, you know, leave your family or, you know, I'm just so glad that people are talking. I'm glad that people are seeing that it's okay to heal and not, you know, down a bottle of Jack every night is maybe not normal and or acceptable. It's just, I'm so, so glad and happy with the progression of healing for our generation of vets. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, we're definitely on to something, you know, there's obviously many resources that have grown and John Hopkins have, you know, I mean, there are more people coming into this game that can really bring some more validity to it. I still think the VA over medicates all of our military You should say fuck off, but, um, But yeah, I mean, nothing happens overnight, right? So it's just, you kind of just have to like stay on course and do the right things for the right people for the right reasons. And then I think that's what Vets is doing. And I think that's why they're going to be 
very successful in it. Marcus, yeah. I remember when he was telling me, it's like, you know, it's, it's, we talked about like, it seems like it's going to take vets solving their own problems in order to get it done because we can't rely on the government to always, you know, we have to do it from within the community and, and that's what they're doing. And I think that's, I think that's so fantastic. And they're doing it. Like he said, it's just like a mission. You just plan it out. You just execute properly. You know, you just have yourself ready for it. You don't, you don't walk in going, we're just going to do this. You go, we're going to do this. We're going to change the legislation. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to fundraise this. Like you have a plan and it yeah. can get, a, it can get achieved. Yeah, totally. It's just great. Oh. I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful to see the progression because if it just, you know, saves one person, saves one family, it's, it's, it's worth putting the work in for. Well, and I think that's been, um, you know, talk about powerful. And I, I talked about this in that speech at the vets gala I gave, but like when you have someone reach out and say, like, you saved my life, that, that is heavy you know, heavy in a hard way and heavy in a great, amazing way. And it's not because you're someone who like wants to take credit for this, but it's just like, fuck. Yeah. You know, that matters. You matter this. If it's just you at the end of my life that I could help, then that fucking matters. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been good in that way. Oh, your heart is so pure. It's insane. You care so much. I, I do. Yeah. You don't try. You're doing it. Yeah. Right. We're going to get there. We're going to yeah. get there with that. We're going to, I'm going to, I told you when I send the nails, it's going to be a letter. It's good. You're doing it, bitch. Get it together. I'm going to make you a shirt. That's because I'm doing it. Yes. It's going to be great. Okay. I can't right. wait. My God, I'm so excited. Well, listen, I, uh, I know that everyone is going to be so thrilled that you were able to talk a little more about yourself. People need to know you. And I think you're going to continue to change the world. You're going to help it heal. They're going to make it better just with being here. Thanks. And I'm just grateful you did good, kid. Thanks. Honestly. So can you tell all of the listeners and the viewers who are looking at your beautiful face on YouTube right now, where do they, where do they stalk you? Oh, God. Uh, my Instagram is Sarah Wilkinson 7, just the number 7. Um, the Step Up Project is the Instagram currently. We are approved as a 501c, so our website isn't live yet, but when it goes live, it'll be listed in the bio of the Step Up Project on Instagram. And follow us because we've got some exciting stuff. I swam the Boston Frogman last year, um, which is a three-mile open water swim in the Boston Haba. Uh, where money raised goes to the Navy SEAL Foundation. So I swam it in honor of my girlfriend, Sydney's husband, Bill, who took his life. I wanted to pay it forward because I have girlfriends that swim in honor of Chad. And this year I've put together a little team and we're going to swim together, each of them swimming in the name of the fam. Some families have opted. Some families have opted to not participate. That's totally fine. But um, for the families that do, each swimmer will swim in honor of 
of one of the guys that took their life. And I don't mean to smile when I say that, but I smile because I want to say their names. That's really important. And I want to share their story. Um, so I hope to do that this year and um, probably a bunch more fun stuff. So just stay tuned, I guess. Yeah, really. I mean, you, I know, I know what you've got coming and I'm, I'm excited for everybody and it, you will be doing yourself a massive disservice if you do not give Sarah a follow and all of the incredible projects that she's working on and give that solutions a follow. I know they are uh, putting out great content, really awesome, really great um, stories and like literally made me stop in my tracks and like a breathing one that was really great, but it moved and I was like, oh, and I stopped and I did it and I was like, oh my God. Media manipulation. It's okay, Beth. It's fine. It's for meditation. It's acceptable. Um, but it's really great. And uh, we'll make sure that we tag everything and we'll we'll keep everybody updated. As soon as you've got something, you tell us, we'll push it out. We'll tell everyone about it. I'm uh, I'm so thrilled. So everyone else, I will see you all next week. And you, Sarah, stick with me for a second. See you later. Bye.